Hey, this is Chris Kremitzos, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams Podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J. And thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode 169 of Chasing Dreams. Before we get too far, guys, here is a message from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by our Patreon campaign supporters. Thanks to all of you for not just your monetary support, but for also believing in my mission to help inspire, empower, and equip people to chase their dreams. Your help makes it possible for me to continue that work. For more information on our Patreon campaign, and or if you'd like to donate a dollar a month to help keep the show going, you can learn more at amyj21.com slash Patreon. That's Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thanks again. Guys, I want you to meet Chris Kremitzos. Talk to people that Chris has spent any amount of time with, and you'll hear the descriptors like change maker, motivator, catalyst for change, and inspiration. Whether it's a major corporation CEO or a solopreneur, Chris is passionate about being a difference maker. Channeling that energy into creating a documentary Chris has successfully birthed The Messengers, a podcast documentary, which has obtained worldwide distribution and theatrical screenings. With a unique skill set programmed to stay out in front of rapid change, Chris, as a speaker, as a business leader, and as a source for growth, is empowering audiences towards better opportunities for succeeding in business in the 21st century. Now, I was lucky enough to sit down with Chris and have a chat. Take a listen. Hey, Chris, welcome to the show. Amy, thanks for having me on the show. Listen, you came across um, because you did something intriguing, which I've never run into. I know podcasters. I've been to podcast conferences. But you took things a step further and created a podcast documentary, which is phenomenal. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you so much. I just came back uh, from San Antonio touring it. It'll be playing in Spain. And it just keeps it just keeps on being screened all over the planet. So it's really exciting. So before we talk more about the podcast documentary and how we got to that point, let me, for the viewers who, and listeners who don't know you, let me take it back to young Chris. What did young Chris want to be when he grew up? When I was eight years old, um, I come from a big fat Greek family. So I wanted to be a, a, a diner owner. I wanted to own a, a diner. I grew up in New York. So I used to draw diners on the back of my papers. But quickly, I guess I got to work in my uncle's diner and I realized that wasn't really something I wanted to do. <laughs> the reality was, hit you? Yeah, the reality, well, really was, um, wasn't even the reality. I worked as a dishwasher one day and my uncle Gus uh, came up to me and he was like the patriarch of the family. And he uh, looked at me and he said, uh, you got to wash dishes faster. And I said to him, the only way I'm going to wash dishes faster is if I put my hands through the steam and I'll get burned. He goes, that's how we work here. You put your hands through the steam and then you get callous on your on your skin. I was like, well, I'm not doing that. So um, <laughs> at the end of the shift, he looked at me and I was like looking for his approval. And he 
he sealed my fate by saying, um, don't ever come back here is how he started. He gave me 50 bucks. I remember that. I was like, oh, wow, $50 bill. And he goes, don't ever come back here. And then I was like, wow, what a real, <laughs> I don't want to say the words I was thinking, but they weren't good. Wow. And then um, he followed it up with words that changed my my life, actually. He said, look, I saw you talking to customers during your lunch break. You have a gift and your gift is communicating with people. And if you go to school and you develop all your gifts and then you want to come back to this diner, I'll, I'll, I'll have you here with open arms. I'll invite you back. But until that time, I want to see you develop your gifts and don't ever step foot back on this diner. So he wanted more for me. Yeah. And it was uh, a huge uh, pivotal moment in my life. And, uh, you know, subconsciously, consciously, I did exactly what he said. I developed those gifts and I have a, a unique gift of connecting with people and, and creating, I guess, communities and events. And I guess my uncle saw that from me just talking to clients, his customers out on, on the, uh, you know, diner bench on the, on the countertop when the customers come in and out. And this is a New York diner. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about people have been there forever, like generational, you know, everybody knows each other, you know, the same guy orders a coffee. It's like in every movie scene where you see people opening up their newspapers and they're all reading the same paper at the same time, at the same time in the morning. Um, now it's probably looking at iPad screens, but it's, it was that kind of place. My uncles have had it for over 50 years. Have you had anyone else comment on that ability similar to your uncle? Um, I, you know, I've had nicknames as a child. So one was, uh, in Greek, my, uh, aunts in Greece gave me the nickname, the, uh, magnetophono, which means the recorder. So I love, <laughs> uh, recording, um, or asking stories and listening. And I've always had a love for, um, people and their stories. So it's um, it's a gift, I guess. I was I developed early on, or I, I was also born with some of it, and then I've just been able to develop that gift throughout my life. And so, as you're moving through life, you're kind of figuring out what you want to do. How do you get to? Because you have done TV shows and you have done event planning. Was that a natural progression progression of your uncle's words that you just kind of saw through academics and experience? Well, I, I never liked school, so let me just uh, put that out there. I was really good at school, but I never really participated because I didn't understand the point. So I'm one of those people I knew I was going to be entrepreneur when I was like eight or ten. Oh wow! So I knew I would never need college. I know that sounds weird, but I kind of already knew that out of the gate. So I still went to three different colleges. I just never got a degree. And so I, I'm a, a lover of learning, just not having to learn for a structured reason. I didn't know how life would play out, but in my early 20s, I pursued to become a millionaire. That was my goal. Um, was able to create businesses that hit a million dollars in revenue, and I was not fulfilled. And then I, um, I basically moved to Florida at my mid to late 20s, and that's when I started. Um, I had a, a neighbor who was a New York City firefighter who died two months after he helped me move in 2005 and it kind of changed the trajectory of my life because he was uh, a father figure of sorts. And when he passed away, I created a bucket list. And one of those things was I'd like to produce local TV shows. Uh, I had no way of doing it, no formal education as luck would have it. I wound up going to a dinner party where I met a Greek Orthodox priest who I hit it off with. Turned out that he was a thespian of sorts. He was a poet. He was a playwright. He was actually a genius, uh, and he was also a professor. So he was able to sponsor me to go take classes at the local public access. And before you knew it, I had I started producing two TV shows. I learned how to technical direct, uh, do the audio, the graphics, everything. And those TV shows kind of took off, and that's what built my career in uh, the media space. So I'm seeing where the background and the knowledge for the documentary is coming from. 
I'm seeing you being able to bring people together, given your gregarious nature, your, your, you know, just social ability. How does podcasting come into it? Well, um, I got thrown off the TV um, station because I was getting too much attention and my topics were pushing the envelope. So one of them was uh, Millionaire Mindset, which was an interview show for business people. And this was in oh, uh, 06, 07. Yeah, something like that. That wasn't controversial, but the other one was called The Bleep and Truth, and that was a political debate show. On one of the shows, one of the gentlemen got in a fight with the other one verbally. He walked off set and threw a chair at the at the other oh. person. So, yeah, and uh, that got carried out all over the world. Uh, at the time, AOL was still a big website. We crashed AOL's website, and um, that kind of sealed my fate with station management. Uh, I, I provided security thereafter, but uh, I got in their crosshairs, and... They threw me off the airwaves. So then what I did was I took the business show, which I really enjoyed business people in business, and I created a local group called the Tampa Bay Business Owners. And what we would do is we would take kind of what you and I are doing right now, this interview, mm-hmm. and I would do it in front of 100 business owners. Now, the challenge with doing it in front of 100 business owners, you know if you sucked almost immediately. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because they leave during the interview, and they're also paying. So if you're not good, whether even if someone tells you it was good, you know because they leave in real time. So I had to become really, really adept at uh, the live interview in front of uh, my peers. And we did, over 10 years, we did a lot of those kind of interviews. We inspired a lot of amazing people. And uh, then along the way, a friend of mine said, hey, do you mind if I teach about podcasting at one of our local meetups? And I said, sure. And after he was done, his name is Steve Cherubino. After Steve was done, I said, how many people listen to your podcast? He goes, 4,000 people. And I'm like, yearly? He goes, no, every week. 4,000 people (laughs) is my show. And this was um, five or six years back, by the way. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's a lot of people, dude. He goes, really? Now, remember, if you're a podcaster and you're not connected to anyone, you have no concept. There's no, there wasn't a lot of events back then to compare. So he had no clue. He's just like, yeah. I go like out of your house. He goes, yeah, out of my house. And I'm thinking like, he goes, that's good. I go, dude, I just spent a month to get 12 people in a room to listen to you. I go, you have 4,000 people. You could be in your underwear at home and they're listening to you. And he goes, yeah, that's true. I go, that's phenomenal. So I went home. I said to my wife, I'm back in business. I'm back in the media game. She goes, what is that? He go, I go, podcasting. You know, I explained to her what's going on. She, uh, she goes, well, I want to start a podcast too. So now at this time, I was doing 150 events a year. I was very fortunate to have a really good business consultant who had dealt with Fortune 500 companies, and he very astutely said, hey, guys, you both can't start a podcast. And we're like, why not? He's like, because something's going to fall when you're doing 150 events. Like The quality is going to drop, and you're going to lose money on your main business. So my, I didn't have a niche. I was just excited. So I was just like, I just want to do this. This is so exciting. Um, my wife had a niche. She wanted to um, help business women by interviewing other amazing women. And I said to her, if you stay true to your niche, and at least for the first two years, you don't invite any men on your show. Because I know my wife, eventually she'd want other people and other perspectives. I said, you stay true to the niche. I will help you market your show and I'll be your marketing manager. So right out of the gate when she launched, she was number one in business, number one in like three different categories. I would go barnstorm the state, do meetups. And pr- I, I must have done like 20 live events back then to promote her podcast. And she had thousands of women uh, listening, a lot of them in the state of Florida, but all over the world, obviously. And Biz Women Rock now. I mean, my wife it's has huge. a yeah. It's a it's a pretty big podcast, and she just launched 
meditation for women, which is, I think, going to be even bigger. It'll be a lot bigger as far as global reach. But with Biz Women Rock, Katie has over 5,000 women in a Facebook group. She does amazing work. She's It's all out of the house. So it's one of those businesses where she doesn't, you know, she could be location independent. So it's pretty amazing stuff. Um, at the same time, I noticed that she had a lot of, in the early days, there wasn't a lot of the resources that we have now in the podcasting space. So she would pull all-nighters. She must have pulled like 40 all-nighters trying to figure out the technology, the editing. She was doing it all herself. So back then, this was before uh, there was really any big event. I mean, there was other events, but at this time, there was no real like podcast-specific event. Right. And I, I created uh, one in Florida. And then six months later, Podcast Movement came out. And we were so glad to support it on Kickstarter and head out to that. But we were already doing it in Florida. It was just local in Tampa and Sarasota. And then we organized it as a conference the next year. So next year will be the five-year anniversary of PodFest. Technically, we've been doing six years, but we don't count that first year because it was all ugly. There were like workshops and helping people. <laughs> it, it was locally. the beginnings. Yeah, just like anything else, we started ugly. We did We did two workshops, and then six months later, we were so happy to see Podcast Movement. And at the same time, we just organized ours as a conference in Florida and it just kept doubling in size. And now we've out, you know, now we're in Orlando and it's just, it's a, it's an international conference. So it's amazing how trying to help people and, and find a platform to get someone's message out there kind of has led to all this stuff. Now, when you say you, you started ugly, right? It's, it's the beginnings you're figuring it out. Did you think that it would grow to where it is today, being international, being, because your podcast uh, conference, PodFest, is probably the second most, uh, not even the second, you and uh, Podcast Movement, both of you are so known. Yeah, they're the two largest conferences right? in the space. Did you Our expect that? focus on independence. No, you know, I, I was just happy that the medium was growing and I was just happy to put on an event. And then my attendees were like, you really need to move this out of Tampa. We got to take it to Orlando. And I was like, why? They're like, the numbers will double, triple, because it'll just be easier to get to that city. Mm -hmm. So I didn't quite expect it to be where it is now. Uh, I did expect the medium podcasting to grow, but I didn't realize that I would own one of the two largest conferences in the space. And it's it's been a really cool ride. And, and you know, for us, uh, what's cool about our event is we retain everybody that comes to our event shows up year in and year out. So we have a really tight-knit community of individuals, and we love that. What I love about what you're doing, and I, I hope to make it out this year for or 2019 for PodFest, is it's not a competition. You know what I mean? In the sense that you guys are primarily um, the first of the year, and podcast movement is kind of like that second half of the year. So it's like continuous podcasting, and one supports the other. And yeah, I, th I think it's good for the medium. Uh, podcast movement in the early years used to be our sponsor. They used to sponsor the event, and we would literally sell – um, 25 to 30 or sometimes 40 tickets out to podcast movement that we'd all go over there. So it's, I agree with you. It's good for the medium. It's good to have two big conferences, six months apart. So we could all meet up. Yeah. It's just, it's just good. And we should all help each other. When I go out to Fort Worth, sometimes I'll be speaking or do some consulting in Fort Worth. I'll hang out with Gary Leland, who's one of the founders of podcast movement. And right. we'll chill and talk about what we're doing. And I think that's, um, I think that's what'll help this medium keep growing is if we all keep collaborating. And you've really, really kind of sunk your teeth and dived right into podcasting in the sense of you created The Messengers, the documentary. And so what what led you to creating a documentary about that? Because I thought, it, first of its kind, you know, about a medium that's growing the way it is. And if you guys haven't seen it, we'll link up uh, The Messengers documentary 
for you to find. Uh, it's in so many different places that you can watch and stream. So we'll, we'll get that for you. But for you, Chris, what led you to creating that? So The Messengers, a podcast documentary, happened because here I am. You have to really understand, I'm going from like one little event to another promoting podcast and podcasting in general. I became like a Pied Piper of sorts. And I got really tired of having to answer what is podcasting. So in today's day and age, people know the word. When I was doing this five years ago, no one understood what the word is. One out of 10 people maybe understood the word, but they still weren't listening to podcasts. One out of 20 were, especially in the marketplace I was in. So I kept getting this comment. I just don't see what podcasting is. I don't get it. I don't see it. And I realized by the 10th or 12th time someone said, I don't see what podcasting is visually, there was no real component to showing people or inspiring them what podcasting is. So um, before one of the PodFests, I think it was 2015 PodFest, 2016 PodFest, I believe, I went up to one of my friends who is a you know a local like video guy, and I said to him, his name is Neil, I said, Neil, do you think that we have a chance of possibly making a visual representation of podcasting that would inspire people? And I said, before you answer that question, think about it, because it'll take us a year to create, and we'll have to travel a lot, so I don't want to do it if there's no... There's no, uh, you know, uh, thing there. He thought about it, called me. He's like, okay, man, uh, uh, this this would be great. I had five days before the event. I hired a crew. We started hire, uh, getting interviews. And then we started picking a select group of people to start traveling and visiting them. And we had a podcaster from China, Lily Wong. We had uh, Glenn the Geek, who owns the Horse Radio Network, who lives in horse country. I mean, we just we just went all out. And for the next year, we literally traveled on the weekends whenever we could. We all had uh, families with little kids. And before you knew it, the, the the film was made. And we did our first look at PodFest 2017 in front of about 500 of our peers. They gave us a standing ovation. It was a, it was a magical night. And then from there on in, you know, we had a distributor. We're on um, Amazon Prime, on iTunes. And my hope for this movie is really for people to see what podcasting is and what it's all about. You, you did a couple of things with, with growing it and having it, because just as people don't really understand what podcasting is for the reception that you've received, and, and, and I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how people, because I do believe it's been a, a vehicle for converting people who weren't into podcasts into listeners, but also podcasters themselves. And that's kind of amazing because not only were you telling our story, but you were kind of impassioned and you would give an impression to new people that would get them interested and do it themselves. Did Have you met new podcasters because of the documentary? I, I get a lot of people that are like, hey, thank you for making the movie. I'll tell you the coolest thing that people use this movie for. Mm -hmm. What we don't realize is there's some people out there that don't have the support of their family or friends. And they send them a link of this movie so they could see what podcasting is. And then someone's dad might say, hey, you keep doing what you're doing. I understand what you're doing. They'll send us really long, impassioned emails saying, thank you. This inspired my father, and he understands now what I do. Because a lot of people you know, want their, their, someone, their loved ones to really buy into what they're doing and understand it. And the movie has uh, become a conduit for that. So it's been great. We've had thousands and thousands of people watch it. I'm hoping to launch it on Facebook to do like a one-day launch where we could all share it for free on Facebook and just share the whole movie out. So I'm waiting right now. We're our last film festival just is tomorrow and we've won two semifinalists. We've been selected to two other film festivals. 
one out of LA for documentaries, another one out of Sydney, Australia. So we've done really well with it. Now that that's behind me, I want to uh, launch it on Facebook and just share it for free because I spent a lot of money and time. It wasn't about the money. It was about getting this message out there and making sure people know that you know podcasting is a real medium and these people are very passionate about it and they care about what they do and why they do it. And you know, Amy, the cool part about the whole movie was when we first started this movie, when you do, you don't realize this, but when you create a movie, you need a, a working title. You need a name because how do you create all your social accounts if you don't have a name? That's true. But the problem is how do you create a name to something you haven't created yet, <laughs> especially a creative project, right? It's not like it's a movie. Like once we create the name, like people will know that name. So um, I got like six people together that I thought were really smart, some business associates, some you know, search engine optimization experts, all this stuff, like and podcasters in a room. And we were brainstorming on a name and they came up with the name, a podcast documentary. And I'm like, I can't call this project a podcast documentary. <laughs> but now if you think of it logically, well, what are people going to call it? I go, well, they're going to say it's the podcast documentary. Like, yeah, so you just name it that. And um, my director and I, Neil, walked out of that meeting. We're both like, you know, these people love us. They mean the world to us, but we can't, we can't have a creative project called that. It's just not inspiring for us as creatives. So Neil said, let's, let's do some local shooting in the Tampa Bay area where we're based out of. And he goes, let's let the name find us. So the first local shoot we did was of Lee Silverstein, a good friend of ours who started the colon cancer podcast. Now it's called We Have Cancer Podcast, and he has stage four colon cancer. Oh, wow. And I don't know why, but in the middle of the interview, I asked him this. It wasn't even written on my questions, and it was like, I was like, Lee, I don't know what a podcaster looks like, but Lee's like in his 50s. So you think of a podcaster, usually someone millennial, younger. I go, you don't really look like a podcaster. What do you consider yourself? And he like leans in and looks straight at me. I'm like, uh-oh, I think I upset him. And he uh, he looks me straight in the eyes. He goes, I consider myself a messenger because when I heard those three words, you have cancer, I wish someone had this message for me. And we stopped rolling and I look at Neil and I said, Neil, you realize what just happened? He goes, what, lunch break? I go, no, no, not lunch break. I go, we just got the name for the movie. He goes, yeah, what's that? I go, The Messengers, a podcast documentary. If you really distill any podcaster, they're someone that has a message yes. and they're messengers to a community. And so the name found us at this amazing moment. And uh, so for me, the, the film and for all of us took on a different like we had to represent the messengers and we had to represent them well. And we had to make it an inspirational story instead of this instead of this black and white. Here's how podcasting started and here's how you make money. That's really not what resonates with the majority of these independents. It's they have a message and they want to share it with people and they want to make a difference. Yeah, it's definitely a common thread with podcasters, uh, regardless of the topic, the area, the age, the uh, gender, the sexual orientation, the religion, whatever, everything is they have a message, a mes right? Yeah, and that's uh, no. I never heard that story of how it came about, but that's not, it's just fitting, you know, that it came to you in this way for you to do it and for you to have such su success for it to inspire the people it has. Um, and you're still doing, you're still working in podcasting. Do you see yourself doing anything else? Well, I'm, I'm a new media guy, so you'll see me either podcasting, YouTubing, all that stuff. Is I have a love for it. Um, where I fit in into the picture is more of a producer. I'm really good at producing content. So I like playing with multiple shows and show ideas. So I don't think I'll be doing anything but that or, or something around the creative process. So I, I have eight different shows right now that I do. Most people don't even know 
the shows I do because I just don't talk about them. They have an audience and I have them out there and I just have fun with it. Yeah, I had no idea you did eight on top of everything else you have going on. I have the Kid Friendly Network. Uh, the Kid Friendly Podcasting Network is six shows. We have Kid Friendly Joke of the Day, Kid Friendly Fun uh, Animal Fun Facts, Kid Friendly Geography History, uh, Kid Friendly. What's the other one? Uh, Disney Fun Facts, and I think those. I think that's six. And then we're creating Kid Friendly Marvel Marvel Fun Facts about the Marvel Universe right now. Oh, that's cute. That's yeah. cool. So I, I gotta ask, how is it you're able to juggle all of this? I mean, being able to do event planning, being able to bring people together, that's one thing. But being able to juggle all these shows, podcast, documentary, kind of taking it and, and shopping it around, PodFest you're working on, how do you manage all of these different things without, well, I guess the honest question is, are you losing, are you going crazy? Is it stressing you out? Believe it or not, I don't work that much. Um, I need to work more. Uh, so... I, so with the Kid Friendly Network, I produce it, I created it, I own it, but I have someone, uh, a voice actor and talent that actually creates everything that you see on the network and the research. So I don't do any of the what you would consider the actual work. Um, for the uh, PodFest, we have an event planner that takes care of that. So I'm not really an event planner, even though I, I, I'm better than majority of event planners. Uh, I'm a community builder that found live events to be one of the greatest ways to bring a community together. So anything I've ever built has been a community, whether it's the Florida Podcast Association, PodFest, Tampa Bay Business Owners, e-marketing groups, Edison Council, and so on and so forth. I've created multiple communities. Now, how they come together usually is through events or um, you know Facebook groups or whatever online tools you might use. So that's kind of my, my skill set is building communities and bringing people together. And you seem to do that with everything you touch, which is an amazing feat. Um, we connected not just at Podcast Movement, but you also found yourself over at MapCon. Mm -hmm. and, and you were there. We had already screened the, the documentary the year before, but, you know, you were still there. So it's amazing how you're bringing these people together, regardless of where you are, to be able to kind of help. For all the people you've spoken to, professionals, the newbies, the naturals, what is a common mistake that people make that you would recommend hey before you get too far think about this honestly the most common mistake it's going to sound very simple they misname their shows mm. so i remember i was talking to uh anna seawald uh and i think it was dc podcast a year or two ago and she was telling me about her show and it was a parenting show but she had a really weird name but while she was talking to me about her show she kept saying it's about authentic parenting i said you should really call it authentic parent the authentic parenting podcast and she goes it can't be that easy i go it is because that's the exact name that's what you're telling me you want right that other name you have should be your subtitle she changed i didn't know about this. so i met her i talked to her whatever a year later i saw her at another conference and she's thanking me and i had forgotten i even said anything to her i said about what she goes i changed the name of my show and then i'm thinking oh man i hope it turned out good you know <laughs> so she got you know, honest thought you know like oh god what did i say <laughs> I said, what'd you name it to? She goes, authentic parenting. I go, what happened? She goes, my downloads went up 300%. So oh sometimes gosh. what people don't realize is uh, like recently I'm consulting on a project and it's for fathers that have children with special needs. So uh, the podcast is called the Special Fathers Network Podcast. Okay. The challenge is when you, um, iTunes SEO does not work like Google SEO. Uh, it, it, it mirrors it in some ways, but it doesn't work the same. 
So if I type in father in iTunes, I get a lot of Catholic priest shows. So I, I told them that you, you could guess what is the keyword for father in today's day and age, Amy? You, you could take a, what would you call a father? Dad. Right. So dad is the right word for uh, iTunes. Uh, usually it's called the dad podcast. So we rebranded it to the dad to dad podcast. And then the tagline is, you know, mentoring fathers who have children uh, with special needs or, you know, so, so it's all about uh, playing on words. So that's one. And then the other, there's another one that's a close second. Stop. Um, when you're introducing your guests, you should be, you should be doing the introduction and then getting to whatever it is the, the point is of the show. So for instance, I have a show called Conference Cashflow where I teach people how to put on live events. And uh, Amy, let's just say I'm interviewing you. Mm-hmm. And let's just say your specialty is in working with speakers for, for argument's sake. Okay. So I would say, hey, on today's show, we have Amy J. And Amy's a specialist in finding really great presenters that have really great content. And on today's show, she's going to talk about how she um, gets that done in a very efficient way. Amy, tell me, how did you first get into identifying really amazing speakers compared to your run-of-the-mill speakers? So basically what I just did is, if it's a, and this is if it's a content-based show about like content, I got right to the content. I didn't have to worry about any other extra uh, curricular information, and that's what the audience wants. And you're doing that show yourself? Conference Cashflow? Yeah, that, that's me. I, I, I have it on hold right now because I was doing interviews. Right. And honestly, I know I know so much. About, I've done 2,000 events. I'm going to turn it into a solo show where I just every week I'll just, it, I'll just record. I go to a lot of events too, so I have a lot of tips that I could give people um, just from an event I had just been to or just – Tips. I'm going to make it more of a tip show where I, I, I'm, I'm the expert. So it's interesting because, you know, initially you started out with Biswin Rocks and Katie's podcast. And it seems now you've caught the bug and have jumped into it. So is it different being on the other side first marketing and now kind of doing it yourself? Well, I've always, you know, with the TV shows, I was in front of the camera. So I've always been like in media. So I love it. I don't mind being a number two. It just it depends if your ego could take it. So for me, I, I'm just as good a number two as I am a number one. Quite honestly, it's about um, your skill set and where you're strongest as. For me, my strength above all things is I'm a phenomenal community builder. So that's probably why I will always gravitate towards bringing people together through events. Um, it's just some, It's a muscle I've built up and it's a skill set I have that makes me very unique. As far as being in front of the mic, the only challenge, and this is something I tell all perfectionists, of which I'm one of, mm-hmm. is uh, the I always say start ugly, meaning it's never going to be as pretty as you have it in your head. Just start and then get better as you go along. So, um, yeah, when you're in front of the, the mic, I could hear myself say something. And while I'm saying it, I'm like, why did I just say that? You know, that's I got to cut that out. So just eventually you want to get as quick as you can to one take. So that way you save your time on editing and and save your editor time on, on cleaning up your show. So I, I enjoy both, both, to be honest with you. It, it was interesting is you keep, you, you mentioned how you're a community builder through events, but I think you do it through a number of different avenues. Is events your, your favorite method though? No, I mean, I, I build community wherever I go. It's, yeah, it's very true that you say that Katie has pointed out to me. She goes, it doesn't matter where you go. Like we, we meet people and, and create uh, friends and community. Uh, but events for me is how I monetize it, I guess you would say. That's how I make a living okay. is by putting on events. So at the end of the day, what am I uniquely good at? Um, you know, I, I understand how to facilitate events. I understand what the attendee wants. I mean, PodFest is very unique. And, and I know you've heard the buzz about PodFest, but like we start 
we start PodFest with a strategic alliance. Basically, think of it as speed networking. Mm-hmm. But I've taken all the pain out of speed networking where no one has to memorize anything. I have everything prompted up on the screens. And literally within a two-hour time frame, you're meeting 30 people before as the conference like starts. So you wind up meeting 30 people, of which you're probably going to have three or four of them will be lifelong friends. Um, and the others will be people you know and love and you could connect with when you go to other meetings. But we end PodFest. Our closing keynote is probably the best keynote you, you just can't buy. Our closing keynote is the audience. We put two mics up on the stage and for 45 minutes, everybody lines up and they get 30 seconds to tell us what they're grateful for and who they're grateful for. So it's very powerful. Yeah, there's something about being in a room of positivity like that that is not just inspiring, but really revs you up. It's infectious. Yeah, it really is. Infectious is a great adjective for it. Um, you know, I, I feel it. I've And I've said it before. I feel it at Comic-Cons and, and things like that because it's just powerful. But I think I, I'm excited if I, if I can end up going to PodFest to, to see and, and experience that. Um, so before I let you go, Chris, I, I do have to ask, and it may be the answer you just gave, but what is one thing, whether they're a podcaster or not, what is one thing you would recommend a dream chaser to do today to chase their dreams? Uh, start ugly. Um, very simple. So what I mean by that is if you want to do a podcast, you want to do a YouTube channel, record something now. Don't think about it. I don't care if you don't have the right mic. I don't care if you have your phone. Use everything at your disposal and start. And as you see what you have, maybe you record an audio track and you'll see what you like, what you didn't like while you're waiting for your mic to come in through Amazon or wherever you ordered it. Um, the main thing is start ugly. Start, get it out of your head and put it out onto into the world. And that'll help you succeed because what we have found, I've helped hundreds of people get started. The people that start ugly, and even if the ones that barely know what they want to do, but they started, always beat the people that are waiting to start perfectly. Almost always, nine times out of 10, if not 19 out of 20. So we had a friend recently, he started the branding show a couple years back. And every day he'd give you a branding minute or something. And four or five months in, he got bored. And he's like, Chris, I'm going to put it on hold. I don't know what I want to do with it, but I don't want to do it anymore. I was like, okay. And then he pivoted and he realized he loved playing golf. So he started the private club uh, radio show. And it was a show dedicated to private club managers of golf clubs. He now is the number one expert in the world to private clubs all over the world. He's He gets speaking gigs. He sells out his books. It's pretty amazing. So start ugly. That's my advice. And great advice it is. Chris, thank you so much for taking time out of the day to, to talk to me. And I appreciate it, sharing your knowledge and experience with the, with the audience. Thanks, Amy J. So, guys, that was Chris Kremitzos. He's doing some wonderful things. And you guys can learn more about Chris and find all the notes and links we mentioned on the show notes page over at amyj21.com slash episode 169. That's episode 169. Until next time, Dream Chasers keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.